From finance and commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. University of Minnesota professor and leading workplace expert, Teresa Glom, has some advice for people working from home and their employers amid the COVID-19 crisis. Quote, I love the phrase, don't waste a crisis, says Glom, a professor in the Carlson School of Management's Department of Work and Organizations. Quote, and I think this is very true here because we have an opportunity to really change things and think about how we manage, how we work, end quote. A sought-after speaker, Glom has conducted extensive research on work environments with help from surveys, interviews, and assessments and other methodologies. Participants include thousands of workers and dozens of companies. Glom's research has been published in journals such as the Academy of Management Journal and the Journal of Applied Psychology, and has been cited in media outlets such as the Wall Street Journal, The Economist, and Huffington Post, according to her website. In the following interview with reporter Brian Johnson, Glom talks about the pros and cons of working from home, how working from home affects productivity, the workplace of the future, and more. Please be joined by um, University of Minnesota professor Teresa Glom. Is that the correct pronunciation? Glom, kind of like Glom onto it. <laughs> and uh, Teresa is in the uh, professor in the Carlson School of Management's Department of Work and Organizations. Um, and uh, her expertise and research surrounds emotions and mood in organizations, job attitudes and behaviors, emotional labor and workplace victimization, including incivility, aggression, and sexual harassment. Um, a lot of changes with our workplace now, obviously with COVID and, and um, working from home. Um, what, what, how would you like to start out? What can you say about that and, and just uh, in terms of the, the, the challenges and opportunities we're presented with in, in this uh, unprecedented situation? Well, I'm glad you asked it like that, the challenges and the opportunities, because I think it, we really do have both of those going on. Um, and I think there's been a, I, I, one thing I hope happens with respect to work is that uh, that in this kind of rush to try and get back to normal, that we don't rush to get back to normal, but rather really think about what should change about the workplace, how we can be really intentional and maybe uh, rethink things about how we work. It gives us this great opportunity. And, you know, I love the phrase, don't waste a crisis. And I think that this is very true here because we, um, you know, we have an opportunity to really change things and think about how we manage, how we work, um, the, you know, what hours, you know, what technologies. And so I think, you know, if I were to kind of say, if I were to think about like one key challenge and, and one key opportunity, um, you know, one of the, one of the big challenges that I think is 
happening is this notion of the, just the loss of social connection. And we're seeing that everywhere, right? We're seeing that with our families, our friends, and you know, it's just, it's everywhere. But one of the things that I know about work is one of the reasons that we, people like work is because of those social connections. Now it might be social connections with your coworkers or your managers, or it might be social connections with uh, the clients that you serve, or if you're, for example, a restaurant worker, you know, part of what's cool about that job is the interaction that you get with people, the connection, the ability to make a special evening for someone. And so this loss of social connection is something that I think we're all grappling with. And so, you know, when I see these, these calls, oh, the end of the workplace, no one's ever going to work again. I kind of say not so fast like people actually people actually like some of those social elements in their job and of course for some jobs that's not even possible right so you know the idea of working from home doesn't fit for a lot of people so i think that you know the the notion of this social connection and how we rebuild those social connections is something that uh i hope when people start thinking about crafting this new workplace that they make sure that they consider that. So it's not just, you know, reducing commute time and, you know, saving money on office space and, and, you know, all these other things, which are, which I think should be looked at as well, but finding the right balance so that people can still get that social connection. And, you know, I think one of the, one of the challenges is even when people do start going back to work and we've seen this already, with restaurant workers, you know, they're going back in a really different context, right? So they're, they have masks, they're just more distant from their, their clients. Um, they're, you know, they have fewer people to serve because of capacity. And so, you know, tips are going down. So there's just a lot of things that we need to be thinking about. And that, that, you know, the thing that I've been thinking a lot about is kind of that social piece, that social connection that's missing. And Zoom is great, and Zoom has some wonderful uh, things about it, but it also, it's, uh, it can be really challenging. What I find really interesting, what I found interesting is I, you know, when I would have meetings with people that would be phone meetings before, those are now being converted to video, like Zoom meetings. Right. And so I'm kind of like, why did we have take this phone call? We used to be a phone call meeting and now we want to see each other. You know, maybe it's because this is sort of the new normal. But I think part of it has to do with that, you know, that social connection, which we're still kind of craving. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because I've done that exact thing with some people I've interviewed for my stories. And so, well, why don't we just talk on a phone? Let's just do a Zoom interview. Like, you know, that'll be easier and, you know, we can see who we're talking to and so on so yeah I and, get you know, that. and companies and you know as i'm talking to different companies um they all have different norms about it right cameras on or cameras off and so some organizations are everybody's got their camera on you should expect it and then others are like oh no no we're all gonna have our cameras off and you know unless we really need to and so um so i think that's been kind of an interesting cultural thing as well and so yeah. it's i've seen i'm seeing people now say is this like is this a cameras on or cameras off Zoom meeting? So, yeah. Uh, well, one one thing you talked about, sort of in the context of um, you know working from home, is the uh, attention quotient. Yeah, that's. What do you mean by that? Yeah, and I think that's really one of the big challenges of working from home. So, even prior to COVID, right? Like 
go back several months, um, I feel like our attention is just under assault, right? We always have things coming at us, emails, texts, like, you know, internal chats in our organizations. We've got interruptions. We're going from meeting to meeting. And so our attention was always being sort of shifted and we have to transition from thing to thing, but we, you know, our minds are kind of spinning on that last thing. And so one of the ideas that I've been talking about is this notion of um, attention quotient or, or AQ. So, you know, in, in organizational psychology, we would talk about the importance of IQ, right? Intelligence quotient, right? To hire people, we want, you know, we want the best and the brightest. And then we saw the shift to people talking about EQ, emotion quotient, right? So how able are you to assess your own internal emotional states, others' internal emotional states? And I think the next thing might be this idea of AQ, attention quotient. How skilled are you at being able to, first of all, pick the right objects of attention, right? To attend to the right things. Um, and then stabilize your attention to those objects of attention. And when you need to switch your attention to another task, how good are you at switching your attention? Because when we switch from task A to task B, we think our attention has gone with us, but it hasn't. There's something called attention residue that a colleague of mine, Sophie Leroy, coined that term, where our, we kind of have this residue of whatever we were working on before. Our brain is still working on that. Um, and so how, how are you able to kind of shift from thing to thing? And can you... Can you manage your attention? And so it's really about our ability to protect our attention in this new environment. And I think that was, in, that was true before COVID. I think it's even more relevant now as we think we have additional distractions from home. Um, but if we, if we can really think about it and think about how to manage our intentions and our attention, then I think even working from home, people are finding they're just as productive, if not more productive because there, you know, there are some of these, okay, I can really be fully present at work during this time, and then I can kind of switch gears. So it, there's, an, there's, a, um, you know, there's this, this idea that we might try and segment our, our work and home lives, and some people are really segmenters, right? When I'm at work, I'm at work. When I'm at home, and I'm at home. Other people are integrators where they try and sort of do, you know, kind of work and home and let it intersperse. And so I think we've all kind of needed to think about how we're going to manage both the work and the home demands. And, and kind of the, the thing that goes along with that is this notion of how we're going to manage our attention and how good we can be at trying to really manage that attention. Yeah. And I, I think there are a lot of layers to it. Like when we're at home, you know, I've, I have kids who are on summer break and, you know, you know, they're asking questions or I have to let the dog out or something. But then at the office too, you have chatty coworkers sometimes who yeah. right. uh, can be distracting. And um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a mix. And, um, but I, I guess this kind of going back to what you alluded to previously about uh, productivity, have, have you um, done any research on just, if we are more or less productive working at home or just kind of how that, um, you know, kind of something above, above and beyond anecdotal stuff you've heard? Or? Yeah, it, 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 you know, it's not research that I specifically looked at that specific question, but, um, you know, a couple of things that the research in general would say 
is that people, first of all, people can be very productive working from home. And um, one of the things that's really important for people to have is a sense of autonomy at work. And to the extent that working from home allows them greater autonomy in terms of, you know, the work that they do and how they do it and how they kind of manage their schedule, then I could see working from home being a, you know, a real boon to productivity because of that increased autonomy. Um, the other thing we know is that there's the, I, the, the research on working from home and flex time and, and flexible work schedules seems to suggest that you need some connectivity to the office, but you don't start to see those degradations in productivity and, and connection with coworkers until you get past about two or three days out of the office. So one of the things that I, I think would be exciting going forward is to say, you know, if people want to work from home a couple days a week and really manage their schedules in such a way that they can kind of have in the office days and out of the office days, then uh, you know you can think about the benefits both for performance but also for things like work-life balance and reducing commuting and other things. Um, so I think that the the literature would suggest that you know working working from home can actually work really well for people. Of course, depending on you know the the types of tasks. Um, you know, one of the other things I've been thinking a lot about is how these changes may also influence the quality of management. So when you're working from home, when you're working from home, it, there are different demands on your manager, right? So being able to think about structuring work and goals and more regular check-ins and, you know, a status and, you know, all these kinds of things. So, you know, the, I always say that I think that sort of the, one of the most important things is the quality of management. In, you know, for a worker and worker well-being, if you have a good manager, it makes a huge difference, right? And so I think that the fundamentals of what a good manager is, those aren't changing. But I do think that there are some sort of shifts and tweaks and sort of an emphasis and making sure that managers have both kind of that focus on getting the work done, that task focus but also that relational and, and interpersonal focus and being empathetic uh, in this particular environment. And so what I think will be interesting is as we start to, as people start to kind of figure out what, what work looks like in the future, I think a, a, an adjacent question is what does, you know, what does good management look like in the future? And in an environment where people are not in their offices, that might look a little bit different. It, you know, again, the fundamentals aren't changing, but in terms of, of how you, you know, how you get the work done and, and how you build those relationships with others, those are going to be, those are going to be different going forward. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Do you have any thoughts on just kind of what the physical office space of the future might look like once we get the green light to return to work? Um, do you see any impacts there? I, this, I think this is a really interesting, this is going to be really interesting to see what happens. Um, and, you know, I certainly don't have a crystal ball, but, you know, one of the things that we were seeing is this shift to more flexible workspaces, open work environments. Um, and as we were seeing some of that research, a lot of the research was kind of saying, yeah, this may not, you know, may not have the benefits that we had hoped, right? Because people end up trying to, you know, find an office that they can work in 
or everybody's got the big headphones on, so they're not interacting anyway. Because I think the idea is we're all together. We're going to be having these, you know, um, you know, wonderful sort of serendipitous moments of creativity and innovation if we kind of all work together. And I think what what it did is basically kind of made people figure out how they can how they can kind of build walls without walls. Um, now, so I think, you know, on the one hand, there's the health issues, right? So if we're going to need to be socially distant in offices, then the open office plan is about the worst thing that we can do is sort of put everybody in, you know, in together. Um, so from a health perspective, we might see some physical changes, right? Um, that said, if people aren't going to be in the office as much as they were in the past, then having really flexible workspaces makes the most sense, right? Because you can reduce the, you know, the footprint of the office and you can have, you know, shared workspaces. And so, so there's kind of, it's kind of, it, it, I think it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, uh, you know, on the one hand, I could see the, you know, a push for, you know, more of your own personal closed office space, you know, like we used to have. Um, but I could also see a push for, you know, people aren't in the office as much. And so we, you know, we don't need to have the, that kind of, that kind of space available. So I guess, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And I think companies are already starting to really look at that. And, um, you know, as with everything, things swing in one direction, open office plans, and maybe they'll swing right back, you know, whatever uh, the, uh, the trend, wherever the trends take us. Sure. Well, uh, can you talk about, are you working on any particular research now or any, any particular projects you're working on that you'd like to mention? Yeah, you know, we are working on some that are specifically related to, to COVID. And a lot of them have to do with this kind of attention and interruptions and, and how people are kind of managing their, managing their work lives. Um, one of the things that we know is the, uh, you know, what I, what I think is really interesting is when you're at work and you get interrupted by, you know, the daddy coworker, or you've got to run from meeting to meeting, those interruptions are, they're work interruptions, right? And so you're still like in kind of your work mode and your work identity. But now those, the interruptions that we have are work and home and kids and all these other things. And so it almost requires a bigger shift back, right? So if you're, you know, going from task to task at work, there's this attention residue that I talked about that, you know, that can be a difficult thing to transition your attention. But when you're moving from work to personal or home things, or you've got to be, you know, a, a mom for a little while, like that's almost, those are like identity shifts, right? It's not just sort of your task. So you're kind of rapidly cycling through this, I'm a worker, you know, I'm a mom or, you know, spouse or partner. And so I think that we're, 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 we're studying that right now. It's kind of this, these the different nature of interruptions, right? So they're interruptions from a variety of different sources. Um, and so we'll, we'll kind of see how that, how that pans out. We're also trying to look at how people allocate their time and, you know, one of the things we know about from previous research that we did is when you ask people to, to allocate their time across how they would like to spend their time at work and how they actually spend their time at work, there's a disconnect. And that discrepancy is, is kind of bad for people. It, it feels like if you've got all these intentions about how you'd like to work 
and then they don't get realized, that self-discrepancy is um, leads to lower satisfaction, um, poorer well-being, it even leads to lower pay. And one of the things we know is when people are feeling depleted, they're more likely to misallocate their time away from those intentions. And so we're looking at that a little bit more and to see our people, our, you know, our people, how people are spending their time, whether or not there's better uh, kind of blocks of time. Do people find themselves with less or more? I mean, we're, it's just, I think at first, especially with their, you know, a lot of people working parents with their children in the home, it's been just so difficult. And so the workday has spread out, right? Um, and I even find myself, you know, typically, you know, at the university, it would be unusual to have, um, you know, a Zoom call or a meeting at like five o'clock. But now I'm like, well, it's easy for me to hop on a Zoom call at five o'clock because I'm at home, right? And so you see the workday kind of sort of expanding because it's easier for people to jump on a Zoom call than to get to the office or stay in the office. Um, the other thing that, that I'm really interested in is kind of this boundary. Very often when you go into work, there's a clear transition, right? Now we have this blurred boundary. When does my workday stop? Right. Right. When does my workday start? And so one of the things that I study are like kind of I call micro interventions or work hacks. And, you know, one of the things that I think is helpful to people is to, to think about what is that transition? How do I transition away? You know, do I, you know, maybe I, you know, go to a different room or do I change clothes? Or um, I have a friend who there, uh, he and his wife are making a new cocktail each night. So they're having like a cocktail hour to kind of say, okay, we're closing down work for the day. Um, you know, you used to be, I used to say I had my garage moment. So I pull into my garage and I kind of take a few moments to sort of say, okay, now I'm transitioning to my home, but there's no garage moment anymore because you're not going into work. And so, you know, thinking about how you might encourage these transitions or come up with your own transition so that you can toggle between that work and non-work identity that you have. Yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, well, uh, is there anything else you'd like to touch on before I let you go, Professor? It's, it's been a, you've covered a lot of ground there, and it's we kind of spun all over, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we've kind of spun all over. You know, I think one of the things that I've also been struggling with as um, you know an expert in well-being, and I, I do you know a lot of research in this area, and I do kind of speaking on this area. I think that. You know, I've really struggled with how to make work better for people. A lot of the, the ideas that I have are, and even a lot of the research and the, the commentary that we're seeing is very relevant for white collar workers. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that we've done quite as good a job thinking about how is work going to change for, you know, the people who don't have these options to work from home right and not just about keeping them safe from corona but like you know are white collar jobs going to get you know even better and we haven't thought about you know can we what are we learning that we might also put into other jobs as well like what do, what do we have to offer yeah. because you know we can say oh it's super cute when somebody's you know kid runs into a zoom meeting but 
you know, you may not be in Zoom meetings. You may be sitting at home because your job requires customer contact. Your job requires you to go to an actual physical workspace. And so, you know, how are we going to think about, can we improve work for them as well? Right. Can we, can we really think about, and I mean, teachers are a great example, right? I think, um, you know, recognizing are there the, the, the idea for a while, people were talking about the heroes, right? And hero pay, certain organizations were doing hero pay and we're, you know, talking about grocery workers and delivery workers as heroes. And um, there was some writing about how, well, that makes me feel better, right? Calling them a hero or clapping, but yeah you know, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to, you know, are we going to work to raise their wages? Right. Are we going to work to create better working conditions? Mm -hmm. And you don't kind of hear that kind of conversation, right? Yeah. And so I, I, I'm, I guess I'm optimistic to, to, to think that, or I guess my hope is that we can have conversations about how to make work better for everyone as a result of this, of, of COVID-19 pandemic. But well, I guess it all remains to be seen. The future will be, I mean, as an organizational psychologist, this has all been super interesting just to see how all these things are unfolding. Yeah, and even this, uh, uh, typically we, we, we do a lot of coverage of real estate and construction and just, uh, just how the construction job site is being um, tailored now to uh, accommodate the, the workers and the, with, with all the social distancing and the extra safety protocols and things like that. It's just fascinating to, to see how they're making adjustments to do this essential work. Um, and so you, to, to your last point about that, you know, like we can't all just work from home. Some of us are out there, healthcare workers, delivery people, uh, people are building things. So yes. we'll be interesting to see how that evolves. Yeah, yeah, and I and I hope that that I hope we don't lose those those threads in the conversation as we think about you know just office workers because mm -hmm. a lot of other a lot of other ways to work. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks again for joining me, Teresa. It's been a great conversation. Thank you for the invitation. Anytime. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.